Welcome to CHQ&A, the podcast of Chautauqua Institution, where we continue conversations that begin on stages and porches across the institution grounds for even deeper insight into the work and thought processes of those who shape the Chautauqua experience. I'm Jordan Steves, recording in the Cohen Multimedia Studio on the Chautauqua grounds. Our guest this episode is Jay Akela Kaneopio Crozier, the EOLA Learning Designer and Facilitator at Kamehameha Schools, Maui, where she provides campus support for a world-class Hawaiian culture-based education to students. A fluent speaker of the Hawaiian language, Kumo Akela serves on the Hawaii development team for the Duolingo language learning app. She has been a Hawaiian language studies and history instructor for more than 40 years in various settings, including K-12 schools, community colleges, and four-year universities. And she continues to teach classes on Molokai and on Maui free of charge. Kumu Akela and her Kamehameha Schools colleague Makana Garma joined our Emily Morris for an in-studio conversation on July 26th, shortly after Akela delivered a lecture titled Renormalizing the Hawaiian Language in the Chautauqua Amphitheater as part of a week themed The Life of the Spoken Word. It's such a pleasure to be sitting with you following your lecture at Chautauqua. Thank you, Akela Koniopio Crozier, for being with us. And joining us in the studio is your colleague, Makana, who works with you particularly in the uh, project with Duolingo language. And so we're going to continue the conversation that we had on the amphitheater stage, and I encourage our listeners to visit online.chq.org to watch your extraordinarily moving lecture where you tell the history of your work in reclaiming the Hawaiian language and therefore the culture, tradition, and soul of your nation, or of your original nation and and of of the people of Hawaii. So thank you for being with us, Ekela. Oh, mahalo. Kumo. Kumo, (laughs) Ekela. One of the conversations that we were having yesterday was... um, about your history that led you to your work today. Can you just, in a nutshell, tell us what's your life? What's your life mission right now? Well, my life mission really hasn't changed um, over the past, over my lifetime. I think my life's mission has always been to renormalize Hawaiian language and Hawaii to change the soundscape to make sure that. Um, Olelo Hawaii, Hawaiian language is heard everywhere. Um, you know, people say it's a pipe dream, you know, back in the day, like about 40 years ago when I was working on my degree. Um, and what I see now is it is changing. We hear Hawaiian spoken in more spaces um, by, you know, all kinds of generations. I mean, we, we have baby speakers all the way to elders who are learning their language. Many of them may have heard it a little here and there, um, but never really spoke it or understood it. And entering back into classes and, you know, taking it back. So, yeah, my hope actually, I, I think I always had this one goal that I would see, so probably not in my lifetime because, you know, um, who knows when it's going to happen, but that I would see an actual university conducted completely solely in Hawaiian language mm. so that every discipline was taught in our mother tongue in Hawaii. Um, yeah, that would that would be the dream. But right now we're working, we're still working towards renormalizing Hawaiian language so that everywhere you hear it, you know, 
And right now, um, it's amazing. I'll, I'll take my car and park it, and the valet will, you know, start speaking to me in Hawaiian. And I'm like, wow, the valet speaks Hawaiian, you know. <laughs> or I walk into a restaurant, sit down. People recognize me and will start to speak to me in Hawaiian. And I'm just like, that's so awesome. Mm. And they're not afraid. Most of them are not afraid um, to try it out, to use it. You know, some are. Um, I think that's natural for mm. most people. They don't want to be embarrassed or, you know, um, it's just a lot of anxiety trying to use a new language. But for the most part, people want to try, mm. you know, they want to try it out. So, yeah, that's what's happening right now. And Duolingo is a big part of my life right now, trying to put up lessons. But, you know, I, I really want to make sure people understand that this is not a one-man show. Um, I'm not alone in this, nor am I out in the front of this, leading this crusade in any way. Um, it's a collective, and, and we all work together. There's a whole bunch of us now, where before it was, you know, a very small community of speakers. We knew everyone. Now um, it's it's grown, and it's so beautiful, you know, and it includes young people, you know, and, and so there's so much hope in this that our language will not die. Mm. We were close to extinction. Sure. So, um, yeah, we're in a good space. It may not be apparent, or it may be apparent, but I'd like to hear in your words, why why is this important? Mm -hmm. I get asked that often. Um, not as much now as I did back in the day when I was raising my children, mm. especially my oldest daughter, who's about to be 37. Um, when I chose to speak to her in Hawaiian and raise her in Hawaiian, there was a lot of pushback um, mm. from the outside. My family, you know, they got it. Um, well, my mom, well, that's another story. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason why I do it is because, number one, um, Hawaii is our home. It's it's the only place we can call home. And when the language was banned um, in our education system, we didn't just lose a language. We lost our identity. We lost our soul, pretty much. Um, I shouldn't say that because there's still that fire that lives inside of us. But we lost ourself. And um, and our ability to express deeply who we are, how we think, you know, the, the reasons why we do what we do, our customs, our traditions, and our culture started to be erased mm -hmm. um, with the loss of our language. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I feel a deep responsibility to ensuring that this language lives for many reasons. But for the first is because our elders, our kupuna, went through so much um, in the process of losing their language. They were beaten. They were um, they were ridiculed. You know, there there's so many stories, and these stories exist in so many Hawaiian families of um, our our elders just deciding to give up and and believe that if they spoke their language and they didn't learn English or if they spoke their language they couldn't learn English mm -hmm. which meant that they weren't going to be successful and they weren't going to be you know able to make money or whatever it may be um, so for them 
I have I have a responsibility. Um, for those who walk beside me and trying to do this work, I have a responsibility to them to do my part. So we're all fighting for something as Hawaiians, what we should be, um, whether it be our land, whether it be saving our culture, um, protecting our integrity. Everyone has their space, and my space is the language. And um, I, I don't try to venture into other people's spaces, but it's all political. Everything is political. And so whenever someone says, well, I'm not political, you, it, there's no way you can say that when you're Hawaiian. You have to be. Because if you're not, then you're really not helping in any way. Right. <laughs> um, so even hula has become political. Saving, you know, saving our forests, saving, uh, allowing our, being able to gather when we want and where we want. Um, so all of these things are happening right now. But my corner of the world is language. So to my colleagues, I have this responsibility to do my part. And whatever is offered to me to do, do it well. Um, and then I have a responsibility to my children and my grandchildren and to everyone else's children and grandchildren um, that we we secure a strong future for ourselves, that they will know who they are. Because truly, the answers are in our language. Mm -hmm. You know, we have words that describe things that we can't say in English. You know, I, mm -hmm. I often I search for that, the right yes. word in English, and I can. I just know it in Hawaiian, and that's it's the best way to describe it. But it's because that we we have a different understanding. Our worldview is different. You know, we call it the kuana ike. Our perspective on things is different because. Number one, we're an island. Um, the other thing is we live on different islands, and so our communities are different because our environments are different. People have a tendency to think that Hawaii is all the same. And the fact that we're called Hawaiians is an issue too because they just took the name of the largest island and then called us all Hawaiians. But the truth is we're all from these different islands that have different identities mm. and different um ways of living, lifestyles are different, um, and it's all according to the environment that we live in. And so that that has caused an issue, mm -hmm. you know. So we've lost a lot in the process of people coming in and making decisions for us, too. Yes. You know, so yeah, was a, hopefully, was very, I know that was a no, long answer, sorry. But <laughs> right, that, well, it is, an, it is not an easy, it's not an, it's a complex issue. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about your work in Duolingo and um, Makana, maybe you can help us understand also how that project came about and what things have happened that you planned and maybe some surprises. Right. Aloha. Um, yes, um, it might have been March of 2018. Um, our executive at our executive vice president Kaeo Duarte at Kamehameha Schools received a call from a colleague who had attended attended um, a school back in Boston, MIT, I believe, mm -hmm. um, Lawrence Kaneshiro, and he shared with him that there's this neat um, language learning app um, that that's been created by Duolingo. And at current, there are about 200 million users learning multiple different languages, um, global languages. And um, he thought that was kind of a cool, neat idea. And so what Kael did was he actually reached out to Ekela first and had a conversation with her. And then 
um, she shared with him that there's this network that our, our office supports called Kanayokana. And um, Kanayokana is really the network of um, Hawaiian-focused schools, mm-hmm. um, and um, which ranges from um, preschool immersion schools all the way up to university system. And then we have pockets of little, we call them um, uh, Hawaiian organizations throughout the state that offer those kind of experiences, Hawaiian experiences for for learners in their communities. And so um, they actually then, um, he came and he spoke with my um, my supervisor about the work um, that we do to support these the network Kanayokana. <clears throat> in that network, there sits a, a committee called Komike Ho'okuluma Olalo Hawaii. And that komike or that committee is a committee who's been charged with revitalizing and really renormalizing Olelo Hawaii, renormalizing Hawaiian language. Um, and our, the, the main intent of this committee is really to think about um, those family members or those individuals within our communities who may, like um, Ekela mentioned, might be shy to learn in a classroom, may not have the opportunity, the time to be able to access Hawaiian language learning um, during those um, times when classrooms are, are conducted, when um, Ekela teaches or doing a regular university classroom time or even be a part of the immersion program. As the immersion program is growing, there's a lot of kids who are learning, yet they, they have aunties and uncles or sisters and brothers and, and um, cousins parents. and parents <laughs> that may not be speaking. So the hope and the, the hope of this committee was to really kind of address their needs. Yeah, and so we know that everybody has a, has a um, smartphone. Yeah, even grandpa and grandma and Ekela has a story about how um, her husband's uncle has been learning. And so um, the hope was really to see um, and to make that become available for all of our uh, folks that are our supports to the to the learners mm-hmm. in these in these schools. And so um, we launched, really, we got together, the team got together in July of 2018, really short um, turnaround time. We got together in July of 2018 with an aim to um, have our first output of skills or lessons on Duolingo on November 8th, I believe, of 2018, which was um, correct, which is Na- National Indigenous People's World Indigenous Peoples Day, October eighth. October eighth. I know because that was my birthday. That's right. That's right. So, um, we, along with our Navajo Diné folks, um, we were on that trek to make that date. And so um, we're really happy. We had a we had a a launch of um, the Duolingo app, and then we um, from there we got a lot of headway, I believe, and then. we're really happy that over this short amount of time, not even a year later, um, we have um, exceeded half a million users globally. Um, and we always were addressing the needs of the committee. The committee was saying that our our hope is that the majority of these users are really chiming in from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And um, based on the video that folks saw yesterday, yes. that, that was um, proof that, yes, we are aiming towards our own Hawaiian residents, yet making it available for global residents. Yes. Oh. Well, and isn't that a wonderful way to invite people 
in a non-threatening way. It's free. Anyone at any time. The minutes are the lessons are five minutes. Mm-hmm. And anywhere. Yes, anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you can build your language muscle. Yeah. Before entering, maybe visiting Hawaii or or visiting with uh, a native speaker. Exactly. And um, so we did a presentation for the um, <clears throat> Hawaii Tourism Authority. And, um, you know, in the, in the beginning, I was kind of like, why are we doing this? <laughs> so um, so <clears throat> when we got there, what was beautiful was the sharing that we had um, and how important it was for our visitors to have an opportunity to um, learn a little Hawaiian before they come so that they can pronounce names, mm-hmm. place names especially, right? Every place sure. is yes. named in Hawaiian. So um, so that locals could understand where they were asking directions to. Because <laughs> half the time I'd be like, where do you want to go? Well, we don't have that place. Um, but, you know, it would be a good thing for us to share this. Um, so, so we did that. And um, we're seeing, yeah, after that we saw more spaces popping up. Um, I don't know if that was the correlation, mm-hmm. but you know, it, it was pretty exciting across the to globe. see across the globe. Yes, yeah. One of the as we were having this conversation, I want to tell our listeners and and viewers that spread across the table here in front of me are the questions that people submitted after the lecture, and we never have the opportunity to finish all of the mm-hmm. wonderful questions that people submit. And you can tell from the volume of questions that were offered, both in in written form but also on Twitter, that your talk really moved people and really uh, you know, encouraged them, wanted, you know, left them wanting to know more. Praise God. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and and, and one, of the, one of the questions we didn't get to um, yesterday is the question about what advice would you give to, uh, you, you convinced the audience that language is so important to culture and identity and, and to you know, humanity and community. What, uh, what advice would you give to communities, potentially Native American communities across the country, who are wanting to reclaim, uh, renormalize their languages? What advice would you give them? How do you start? Where do you I think, start? Well, I think the first thing is you have to, you have, to have an attitude of fearlessness. Mm. You have to have enough courage inside of you to, and believe that this is something important. Mm-hmm. And you have to know your why. You know, um, if you don't know your why for anything, right, anything that we do, um, if you don't have a good why, then you're not going to put yourself behind it and and all your energy and all all your all behind doing something. So first, figure out if this is important to you, because it's not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Um, So you, you have to first check that. And then second... You have to figure out where your elders are, you know. Um, and this is just me talking. I, I I don't know. Perhaps my colleagues might have other thoughts, but need to look for your your kupuna, those people who can speak, um, and bring them in. Mm. Because um, what you don't want to do is create something that's not authentic, mm. you know. Um, so you're looking for. People who have the language, who know how it how it works, so that because even as a teacher, 
right? Um, we may have learned our language from someone, but there might be someone who actually grew up speaking it, the native speaker. There's a big difference. Um, so you need to bring them into that space, have conversations mm -hmm. about what's important, why we're doing it, because you got to get buy-in from them mm -hmm. that this is a good thing. Um, and then it's looking for where you want to start. And I always think that the way the way it happened for us was a beautiful thing. Ahapunanaleo recognized that um, it was it was important to start with children. Hmm. It may have seemed a no-brainer to most people, but it's a hard, it, when you think about it, you're going to now speak to these children in Hawaii, and they're probably coming from homes that spoke English. So that might be difficult, and they're children, but you know what? They're the best. Because they're like sponges. You say it, they say it. They don't think twice if they're right, they're wrong. They'll just try again and again and again. So, um, you know, that's where we started. And actually it was model, modeled after the Kohangareo in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, they started these little preschools. And they're in English, they're called language nests. And so um, the children come into the preschool at three years old. And they start to speak to them in Hawaiian. And their whole day is spent in Hawaiian. It's more a Montessori method of mm -hmm. teaching. But um, what we've seen now is we have these Hile projects. And um, now it's from the womb where they start to speak to the baby oh, wow. in, in the prenatal peri period. Um, and language is beginning there. So... Yeah, I think you just have to decide where you want to go. The other thing is funding. Hmm. That's the reality of it. How do you make anything grow if you don't have the money to be able to do it? So you got to find your supporters. You got to figure out. Yeah, you got to know who supports these programs. Um, shucks, I, I know the acronym, and I forget what all the words are for the anagrant, but the American Native, I'm sorry, I'm That's not okay. real sure, but... They provide a, a huge amount of funding for these kinds of programs. but So you have to know where your funding is going to come from, mm -hmm. who supports language revitalization. Mm -hmm. And they're out there. There are people out there who want to support this in all different spaces. Mm -hmm. So um, I think those are a few things that um, people should start with. But definitely the attitude has to be one of, I'm in. Mm -hmm. I'm in, and I'm I'm in for the long haul. Right. Because this is not one of those things that happens overnight. You know, look, um, I was at the start of this. I was, you know, there were people who had already started. There was um, Samuel Elbert and Mary Kavanapukui who um, wrote our Hawaiian language dictionary. Mm. And, and there's photos of this woman with stacks of cards in Hawaiian. She went all over to collect all of oh. these words, and then she put it all into this dictionary for us. What a work, a, a piece of work that is is so vital to our, mm -hmm. to our work that we do today. Sure. So way back then, our chiefs also knew that we were losing our language. And, you know, it was said by Kekunau uh, um, that... If you want to overthrow a government, take their language away. 
you know, they knew it and they could see it happening. Mm. And so um, there's there's so many different organizations and groups that are trying to do their part to raise our people up. Mm-hmm. And language is a huge part. So the school that we work for is Kamehameha Schools, yes. and it was set up by the princess. Um, this school dates back to 1887. And so we've been, you know, it's been that long with trying to bring our people up to you know, parity with others, sure. you know. Um, but Hawaiians have had a difficult time getting there. I, I would say now, though, um, we're in such a better space mm. than we've ever been after the overthrow yeah. of our queen. Yeah. Well, thank you for your life's work and mission. It's wonderful when you meet people who you know are doing exactly what they were planted here to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, your energy has really inspired us here at Chautauqua. As we close, um, I'd like for you to reflect back on part of your story uh, that you shared with us from the Chautauqua stage, centered on a relationship that you had with your Spanish language teacher mm-hmm. who became your Hawaiian teacher. And I'm not going to spoil the story. You have to go watch the video to mm-hmm. hear it. But tell me how she was somebody who was critical at the early development of, of your mission here. Mm-hmm. How, did, how did that relationship evolve after she really encouraged you to pursue this as your, as your calling? Well, I guess I kind of became her TA. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> you know, um, she, she recognized the value of having someone who could actually speak Hawaiian in her class. And so it changed our relationship in that... Um, <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't just love her during Spanish class. I could love her during Hawaiian language class, too. But more importantly than my relationship with her, um, of course, I lost touch with her after I graduated mm-hmm. from high school. I wish I hadn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I was on to bigger and better things. Um, but she's ha- she has always inspired me. But what she's done for the rest of my life is to recognize that Anyone and everyone can help us. Mm-hmm. Because that's a hard part for some some of us um, who are in this work. Where, um, And I don't say the majority. The majority of us recognize that we could use the help from everyone, Hawaiians, non-Hawaiians alike, um, in the revitalization of our language. Um, but what she, yeah, she helped me recognize was I could open my heart, you know, and um, and allow others to learn our language. Um, it made a big difference in my life because when you look at the work that I've done, it it has been to spread it out as much as we can. That it's not just for Hawaiians, you know. If it was dependent on just us doing this work or learning Hawaiian, um, we wouldn't be where we are today. We have to open it and share it. And I'm sure that's what our elders would have loved mm. for us to make sure that we we shared it all because that's who we are as Hawaiians. It's all part of our aloha identity, you know. Um, and so I don't think she realized that that's what she did for me. You know, it's mm. really made me, um, make my heart open up, you know, to everyone and anyone who wants to learn it and recognize that they can, they can. And um, 
So I, I, you know, when students tell me, I was just having a really hard time, why don't they do this? I'm going to take Japanese or something. I'm like, no, 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 we can do this. You know, I, I know it. I saw her do it. She was my first example of, you know, a non-Hohen learning this language. Certainly, I, I didn't think her pronunciation was that spot on. But but it, with time, you know, um, that's all it needs. You just need time, sure. you know. So that that's probably the most important thing that she shared with me. Um, and I will always, always um, have a very profound aloha for her you know i mean when i when i close my eyes i can see her you know this tall beautiful white woman you know practicing my language <laughs> and and who so loved the fact that um she was sharing she was putting back you know into the culture you know and um yeah so that's Perfect. well akumo akela kumo makana Thank you for for visiting with us today, for sharing your many many gifts, and we 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 offer you a mahalo nui. Oh, mahalo, 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 mahalo to all of you here. I it's funny. This is funny. I've heard everyone saying aloha around the place when they see me. Like aloha, <laughs> like oh aloha and mahalo. So already two words. We've, two words. We're, we're trying to plant into Chautauqua. <laughs> so mahalo you. nui. Thanks to Kumu Akela Kaniopio Crozier for joining us on CHQ&A today, and to interviewer Emily Morris, who during the day serves as Vice President of Marketing and Communications and Chief Brand Officer of Chautauqua Institution. Our producers for this episode were Corey Dubois and Robert Jackson. This particular program may appear in part or in full on the airwaves of our partner stations WJTN and WRFA in Jamestown, New York. CHQ&A is a production of Chautauqua Institution, recorded and edited in the Cohen Multimedia Studio. I'm Jordan Steves. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back shortly with another episode of CHQ&A.